With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to another episode of Needing Unfiltered. Presented by only the best vodka, Grey Goose, and basketballnews.com. I'm your host, Kenyon Martin, and today we have a basketball Hall of Famer, a coach, a two-time Olympian, and an international motivational speaker. Ladies and gentlemen, Ms. Nancy Lieberman. How are you, my friend? It's great to see you. You look I'm wonderful. Happy. I'm wonderful. Thanks for joining me. You're a happy dad with your son getting drafted. Oh, listen, I'm on cloud nine. Uh, I couldn't Isn't that kind it. of amazing? Yeah, no, it's a great feeling. Um, childhood yes. dream of his and my oldest child dreams come true. Um, yeah, I'm I'm ecstatic. So I'm I know ecstatic. I know you're the interviewer, but um, as a mom to a dad, you're probably thrilled uh, that uh, Junior's going to be playing in Houston now instead of Sacramento. Yeah, so it's yeah, and uh, they um Houston bought the pick. They um they really liked him. You know, they uh, he was still there at 52. They didn't think he was going to be there. Um, so they made some moves to make it happen. So, hey, hats off to the Rockets. And um, like I told Steven Silas, like, you won't be disappointed. I love it. I love it. So, again, congrats and, and Thank God you. bless him. Thank you. And thanks for joining me. Uh, of course. Yeah, so early life in Queens, from Queens, New York, huh? Uh, thug life. uh just you know just kind of you know fighting for my territory fighting for my space uh a girl in the 60s and early 70s um as a minority being told stupid dumb never gonna make anything of herself uh why are you in the schoolyard playing with the black guys um i got tired of being profiled and i got tired of being bullied so i i was in a lot of street fights early on because they thought I was crazy. Yeah. Hey, listen, hey, that, that will bring it if people think that way, but nah, so you had to fight for your own. That's, that made you into the kind of tough nose, gritty player that you were. Um, I can say the same thing for myself coming from the same kind of environment, having a lot of fights growing up, the same kind of thing, you know? So um, maybe for different reasons, but yeah, but being picked on and teased, and so I can definitely relate to 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 that aspect of of growing up in a rough area. Um, but what inspired you to pick up a ball? Well, my parents were getting divorced when I was eight years old. There was a lot of fighting uh, going on in my home, and so sports. Actually, football was my first sport. Um, I played in a tackle league at seven, eight years old. Then I ended up playing um, baseball and with guys in my neighborhood trying out for a PAL baseball team. And that was actually the first time I ever realized, um, I don't know, people discriminating against me. 
I was the starting shortstop for our PA, PAL Police Athletic League softball team, baseball well, team. That's the main team. position on the field, Nancy. <laughs> I, I know, but I got there for the first game, and the coach felt horrible when he told me that w- they wouldn't let me play. They wouldn't insure me because I was a girl. I mean, can oh, you wow. imagine somebody saying, hey, we can't let you play because you're black? Or you're, I mean, people well, are yeah, stupid. You know, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it doesn't, yeah, yeah, definitely. So I went right to basketball. I went, there was a, like a Y, YMCA, right in my neighborhood. And I went in and I asked the guy, I said, look, do you have basketball leagues? He said, yes. I said, is it a boys league? He says, yes. I said, I want to play in the boys league. Will you let me? And he goes, absolutely. That changed my life. I really wish I knew the gentleman because he just allowed me the freedom to be who I was. And, you know, so playing in those leagues and then going up at, at 12, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old to Rucker Park. Yeah. And the guys kind of, you know, looking at me like, are you lost? I said, yeah, no, was, are you? Yeah, let's get to that story. <laughs> the first time at Rucker Park, like you <laughs> you walk up there, little white girl, like what was like, what were like people like? Well, it was kind of funny because to be honest, like, you know, we didn't have anything, but I had taken a couple of dollars from my mom's wallet without telling her. And I said, as I was running out, I'll be at the park. So she thought it was the park across the street. (laughs) But I I walked into town and I got on the A train. It's about a 50 minute ride, changed uh, trains in Manhattan and then got off on 155th and Malcolm X Boulevard. And (laughs) it was cool because I had a jacket and I put t-shirts in the jacket so I look yeah. bigger on the train and I would just like glare at people and they go back to looking at their newspaper or whatever they were doing and I, I this is a true story so I, I I keep asking people where's Rucker Park and they said it's there so I walk into the park and I have a ball and these these black guys are like little girl are you lost like I said I said no are you and he said do you, do you know where you are I said yeah I'm at Rucker Park and they looked at me and I said to him, is your name Rucker? And he goes, no. I said, good. It ain't your park. <laughs> I mean, that's a 12 year old little fire engine, red hair, little. I could, I could only imagine the looks on their face. <laughs> but, you know, respects respect. And um, they were so impressed that I was not afraid of them um, because I wasn't. And I just wanted to play. I needed them more they need more than they needed me. Um, I would play. They would walk me to the, the train. And, and really, um, this um, woman uh, said to me, you know, why are you with those three guys? And it was uh, Ronald, Donald, and Gary. And they would ride the, um, they'd ride the train back to Far Rockaway with me, walk me to my house. You know, everybody was looking through yeah. the curtains. And my mother, I didn't really know that I was teaching my mother not to be racist, not to profile people, just to kind of respect everybody. Yeah. Because she was like, what are you doing with them? I'm like, mom, they're my friends. How are they your friends? Oh, we won three games in a row. Yeah. <laughs> so I was a little young and dumb, but it, it served me well. I was fine with that. Yeah. And then, yeah, it was it was a blessing that there were those kind of people back then that didn't try anything and try to harm you or things like that they looked out for you you know so they that's your valuable do. your valuable lessons in life early on you know but they i can still imagine do. growing up in the 60s like in that era and 
how black people were looked upon. You know what I'm saying? I can only imagine. And they were walking around with you. Lord knows what people were thinking. <laughs> like, you know, I'm surprised somebody didn't call the cops. You know what I'm saying? Like, luckily, you know what I'm saying somebody didn't call the cops and it could have been a whole bad situation when I'm trying to look out for you. But no, that's a blessing that they looked out. You know, that's, that's what's up. You know, it's funny that you, you just said that. I never even thought about that side of the equation because, you know, we didn't have cell phones or texting or, you know, emails at that time. So you actually, like, I would have to say, I'm coming on the 527 train. Yeah. You meet me at the train station. You had to, like, over-communicate to each other. Yeah. And it, it was really kind of cool. And, you know, to this day, uh, I feel, I, I'm actually grateful to the Black community uh, for championing me, protecting me, not tolerating me, and allowing me to be a part of, of their world. And, and that's why I am the way I am today. Yeah. You know, you've been around me enough. Yeah. My son is like that. You know, we have, you know, as many black and brown and Asian and it doesn't matter who, friends. Yeah. We don't the care. People. The people. people. Human beings. Yeah, definitely. That's what I'm saying. That's what matters. And 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 just that that you learned that early. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and which is a blessing. It's a blessing in itself. So by the time you, so so that stage of going to Rucker Park, how often did you go? Like, was it every pretty week. often? Like every weekend? Every, every yes. chance you got? Playing in tournaments, um, it was really kind of cool because they would have some tournaments there and then they started having tournaments for girls at Rucker. And we would win the tournament, my team. Um, it was called the New York Chuckles. Remember Chuckles Candy? Yes. It might be too young. Uh, I've, heard, was, I've, I've seen it. Okay, so New York Chuckles. And we would win the championship. And then the MVP would have this, like, six-foot trophy. I mean, it was unbelievable. All you wanted was a trophy. I was like, I was playing for the trophy every weekend. And I'd ride home on the train with this trophy that was bigger than me yeah and it just look uh, what i wasn't getting at home with love and attention uh, i got that from my people uh up at rucker and I, I i played angry i was always angry whether it was the olympics in high school whether it was at rucker whether it was at old dominion it was like i was so tired of saying hearing people say to me you know, Nancy can't do this. Nancy, yeah. the Nancy can't moments in my life do not put me and you in the same world. Yeah. So it was my job to show them what I could be, not what I couldn't be. You know, when they said, well, you can't play up at Rock with the boys. So I did. Yeah. When they said you couldn't make the Olympic team in high school or, you know, my, my junior year on the Pan Am, my senior yeah, year. You're the youngest player ever. Still, which is crazy yeah. and we won the silver um and then even going to college i knew i couldn't go to college because we didn't have the money mm. i mean my mom barely had money for food on the table but when i had these scholarship offers i, I was like i want to go to the worst team like i didn't go to ucla and i didn't go to cal state fullerton um were champions you know yeah, at that time. point I, I looked at all the schools and I had about a hundred offers and I said, I want to go to a school that has the worst record. And it was old dominion was yeah. like five and 25. And 
you know, we ended up going uh, 125 and 14 in in my uh, four years. You know, yeah, go 23 that's, and nine. It's dominance, <laughs> to say the least. It's like I wanted I, everything that that I do is about showing you what could happen. You know, yeah. if you give me a chance, and winning back-to-back national championships in the NIT. And, you know, I think my last three years, and I had great teammates, but I think we were uh, 102 in six, our last three years. So I was always trying to prove people wrong. And quite well, frankly, listen, let's go back a second. So let's 102 in six. My last three years. Like. That's crazy, right? It's a lot of ass kicking, to be honest with you. Well, there was a lot of ass kicking in practice. I mean. You know, hey, uh, you sound like me at Cincinnati, Nancy. FYI, like, yeah, I, I I put my hands on somebody every year when I was in school. So yeah, I can I can definitely relate to that <laughs> to that part of it. Um, yeah, so it was definitely I could I could relate, but now nah, that's 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 dominance, and you to be that feisty and fiery and and want to play against the best, not join them, but you wanted to beat them. And that, and you going there to Old Dominion and and like I like said something internally like that that desire and that will to go out and compete at the highest level like that's that's speaks volumes for Thank your character. You. Can you can I ask you a question? Um, yes, how old are you? I'm 42. I'll be 43 you know, I, at the end of the month. Happy early birthday! You don't know this, but I I called your games for ESPN when you were in college. I called the game oh, wow. at your place uh, at least twice. Okay. That was the first time I had ever yeah. heard of you. Probably, uh, was it my senior year or was it before that? It might've been your junior, senior year. Okay. Whatever yeah. that last year before you left, you guys uh, yeah. were, were pretty unbelievable. Yeah, it was my senior Huggy year. was there, right? Yeah, that was my, that's my, that's my guy. You could have played for Hugs. Like, like Hugs would love you. Like, you play hard. You feel like you don't need to be coached. Like, all he had to do is probably try to help you get better. Like, like you go out and you play the game. You're going to play the right way. You're going to compete. And if it pop off, then you hit smoke. So, listen. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. And I admired you then. Obviously, I admire you now and having friendship with you. But those are really um, – powerful times for me because there there weren't a lot of women calling men's games yeah. at that time. And that was a struggle. And I kept saying to the guy from one of the conferences who didn't want me to do a game, mm. I kept saying, the ball doesn't know I'm a girl. Not at all. Dude, if, I, if I'm terrible, then fire my ass. Yeah, that's, yeah. If, if, I, if I'm if bad if at I, this job, then let it be bad at that job. Like, don't tell me I can't do this because I know the game just as well as the next man. So, yeah, I'm with you. So, yeah, so I, I that was my first introduction to mm -hmm. you and, and how hard you played and, and just your tenacity and your skill set. Well, thank you very much. That means a lot. Sure. That means a lot. So speaking of your game, how would your game translate in today's, like, WNBA? Like, how, how do you think you were fair? Um. So I was more athletic 
than people realized. Like at Rucker, mm-hmm. I was five nine at that point, five eight, five nine, and I could dunk a tennis ball. And the 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 joke was like the guys like Joey Hammond, who's a playground legend, mm-hmm. and and Arnold Duggar, who's no longer with us. They'd be like, they call me Fire because my personality, and they're like Fire, hang from the rim, and I would jump, and and. I, and they're like, I told you she could jump. And I see him exchanging money. <laughs> I was like, did you just bet on me? <laughs> and I was like the the, the uh, carnival monkey, you know, like yeah. fire, jump, fire, yeah. do this, fire, pin the ball on the backboard. Yeah. So I was very athletic because I had only grown up playing against guys. Um, so I played center in high school. And then as I started playing on the U S team, I started kind of morphing into uh, a small forward. And then at old dominion, I was a point guard. So yeah. I was that magic Johnson, five foot 10 point. strong point guard yeah. in 76, 77, 78. And now you, you see, you know, Tarasi, you see so, uh, so many of these other players that are big, that can handle the ball. Yeah. Um, so I think I, I think because of my skill set and my passing, you know, obviously my, my nickname Lady Magic because yeah, of Irvin. Of course. And uh, you know the years that I played in the USBL, uh, being able to put a ball right by like a guy's arm. Yeah. Because I had to find ways to compete against you. Yeah. In in um in in 1980 um, when I was getting ready to go to the first women's pro league, which brought me to Dallas, Dallas Diamonds. I got asked by Dr. Buss and Jerry West to play for the Lakers. I don't know if you even knew that. No, I didn't know that. So that's, yeah. So I'm going to have to get on whoever asked. They didn't put that in my notes. So I definitely would ask that question. You you know who my coach was? Pat Riley. (laughs) West West Head was the head coach of the Lakers, but Riley came out of the TV booth to be the assistant coach, but they wanted to give him experience. So they put him, um, they, they let him do, their summer league. Yeah. Well, I show up and, and Pat Riley is like, I don't want her. I told the guys this was serious. And they said, get her her uniform, introduce her to her team. He goes, I don't want Nancy Lieberman on my team. And I show up at practice and, you know, Pat would have his traditional three hour practices at that time. And when he'd say, I need five guys out here, you know, to run a drill. And I would, I was one of the five and the coaches were kind of looking at me like, who the hell is this girl? Yeah. And I was only 22. So I would run, I'd make a mistake. <clears throat> they coach me up. Um, I'd get some repetition. I'd understand what he was looking for. I'd go off the court and I'd walk up to guys like you and go, Hey, if you don't know how to run that, I do. So I'll be more than happy to help you. Yeah. And I'd pat him <laughs> on the back. Four days later, um, so after the first practice, apparently, and Pat told this to all the NBA coaches when I was coaching in the NBA and I was sitting next to Nick nurse, but I had an iPad and, yeah. and he's telling this story and he's like, right, Nancy. And I'm like, and <laughs> Nick is like, you played for Pat Riley. I'm like, yeah. yeah. And so they get in the coaches meeting after the first practice and, and Mike Tebow who coaches, you know, in the WNBA with Washington. um, And he looks at Mike Tebow and he goes, who the hell does she think she is? She acts like she's the best player here. (laughs) 
They beat the crap out of her. She didn't back down. And she tried to start two fist fights. <laughs> okay, four days, four games later, I was the starting point guard for Pat. And we had an amazing summer. Hey, so so was easy run a part of the practice then? Like had he implemented that drill yet? No. No. So this notorious, like. I hate Pat Rod. I like I love Pat Rod, but I hate him for this for this conditioning drill. Eleven man break? No, it's it's called easy run. Like Byron Scott took it from Pat, and when he was the coach with us in New Jersey, he made us do this thing. It's called easy run, and as you can tell, there's nothing easy about it. If I'm talking to, like it's one of the worst drills I've ever done to date. Like, was it the full court change direction? No, you like you start free throw line extended. It's two lines, free throw line extended. They put time on the clock and they tell you to go. So each line you run forward, you get to the baseline, your defensive slide to the corner, you run backwards, you run defensive defensive slide in, and you run and you do this shit for 25 minutes. And oh gosh. No, yeah, we didn't no. do that. Yeah, so yeah, so thank yeah. So one of the worst drills I've ever done, like to date, college, pro, anything like for as far as conditioning. The worst thing I've ever done. <laughs> Maybe yeah. the best, right? Yeah. yeah, definitely. Like, so you play for the gold trotters. You like you did a lot of different things, but how how important was it for you to be part of the Phoenix Mercury on um, the inaugural season of WNBA? Like, how important was that to you? Uh, it was very important to me. Only well, one because I wanted my son TJ, who you've met now, because he plays professionally. Uh, I wanted TJ to know what his mom did, because he only saw me doing TV and whatnot. And when I did the WNBA in 1997, he was three years old. And uh, I, I, you know, I was married, and I and I told Tim, I, you know, I said TJ, tell Daddy, mommy's coming out of retirement. He ran into the other room and he goes, Daddy, and Tim is 6'8", and he goes, Mommy's coming out of retirement and we're in trouble. <laughs> and um, it was just one of those things. I I didn't have the WNBA in my prime. Yeah. I, I played against guys like you. I played two years in the USPL, uh, uh, you know, against Tyrone Bowes, against Mute Bowl, like, you know, with Michael Ray Richardson and yeah. Jeff Houston and so many NBA guys. So on my best day, I was average because of your physical ability. You know, um, I get by somebody, make a move and then put the ball up and a seven footers blocking my shot. So I just wanted to have that moment to play and to have my name on the back of my uniform again. And I didn't know if that would ever happen, but I will say this, and this is another good one. In 1985, I got a phone call from David Stern. He had just become commissioner of the NBA, and yeah. he called me and said, would you come in New York? I'd like to talk to you. I couldn't believe the commissioner called me. So I go home to New York, and he closes the door at the NBA offices, and he says, Nancy, before I'm done being commissioner of the NBA, there will be a WNBA. And I was like, what? You're kidding. He's, this is 1985. And he looks at me and he goes, my only hope is that you'll still be around to play in it. When you're 25 years old, like I, I, he was saying 
if I'm around to play in it. And I was like, of course I'll be around to play in it. I didn't see myself as a, a 39 or 40 year old. Yeah. And the day we played on opening night in, and, uh, you know, Gladys Knight sang the, the national anthem and here I was on the court and I got a phone call that morning from David Stern and he was visibly um, emotional on the call. And he goes, I didn't know if it would ever happen, but I'm so proud that you're, you're on, you know, the Mercury a part of this team and league. It's pretty cool, right? Yeah, it's great. It's a great moment. And for have, and for Dave to have that, that vision yep. then, like speaks volumes for him. And for him to want you to part of that even more, just for your work that you've done for the game and and your the, your path that you had taken, playing against men and all of these other things, you know what I'm saying, to get to that point, you know what I'm saying, for him to want you to be a part of that is great. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't know that, and, and but that speaks volumes for David Stern. You know what I'm saying? He's one of the best human beings I've I've met as far as being straightforward, honest, and seeing – seeing what things should be, you know, so no, that was great. You, you're, you're absolutely right. And as Adam Silver said, David Stern was more like uh, Kobe Bryant than anybody he had been around, you know, that the Mamba yeah. mentality that killed. And so uh, at All-Star Weekend, uh, Commissioner is telling this story and he says, well, first of all, David, he's going to be the first one to throw you into deep end and you think you're drowning and you're bobbing and you're going down. And, and just before you think it's over, he sticks out his hand and pulls you back in. Yeah. And, and what, a, what a great teachable moment. He's going to make you work for it, but he's going to be the one to save you yeah. because he cares. Yeah. Cause you don't want to told me early on in my career, you know, I was, I came in with that same mentality like I had in Cincinnati. Like I was, I was still on it. Like anybody do anything, say anything, I'm quick to fight, swing, like all that. So David sent me down in his office, like, listen, son, <laughs> if you want to be a part of this league, you need to cut it out. Like, this is not the way we're going moving forward. So if you want to be a part of this, I suggest you cut it out. So simple enough, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was my yeah, that was my last fight. I had a few skirmishes, but 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 nothing over the top and and a lot of people, like, David saved a lot of people from ass whoopings during the game. They just don't know it. Like, <laughs> like, because that would always play in the back of my mind. Like, all right, you want to be a part of this? <laughs> well, everybody want wants her job. I yeah. mean, yeah. everybody yeah. wants. I Like, you know, I, I do the TV now, you know, for the, the Pelicans. There's only 30 of those jobs, studio jobs, in the world for the NBA. You know, what we do in the big three. You know, there's only 12 of those jobs in the world and everybody wants our jobs. So we yeah. can't be just as good. We have to be better than um, even to today. And you know, as, as a friend once said to me a long time ago, you got to have the dog in you. you. If you don't have that dog, that was Dion Sanders, yeah. yes. who's my inseparable brother. We breathe yes. the same air. That's with it. I, I, I just adore him. But he, he said, you know, fancy, he calls me fa fancy leaves. And he goes, fancy, um, we have to have that dog in us. And that's why he came back at 37. That's why I came back at 39 and at 50. 
That, it's weird, but I still had that dog in me. Yeah. When you lose that, you know, that ability to really want something so bad and yeah. for the people around you, step back. Yeah, like a lot of people, it's, it's funny that you bring up that dog. Like a lot of people, like athletes, yeah. like they miss that part of it. And, and to not see that in people who you respect, like, wow, like if they had any dog in them, how they could be like, so I, so I get it. And for that to come from prime, Hey, that's right. old unk, you know what I'm saying? Unk tell the truth and tell it how it is. When he see greatness, he says it. So then uh, that's, that's awesome. It's been a year. And although the holiday season will look a bit different, we're still excited to celebrate the good with only the best vodka, Grey Goose. Grey Goose is making it easier than ever to enjoy a well-deserved cocktail. And a spoiler alert, you don't have to leave your house to make it. Visit greygoose.com and one click and you have a Grey Goose Holiday Punch Cocktail Kit delivered to your door. The Grey Goose Holiday Punch Cocktail Kit comes with everything you'll need to make a holiday punch. Grey Goose Vodka, pomegranate juice, sweet and black tea, martini and Rossi Prosecco, plus a dehydrated lemon wheel and fresh sage for your garnish. So impress your quarantine pod with your at-home bartending skills. You won't have to tell them how easy it was. Cheers. Sip responsibly. Imported by Grey Goose Import Company. Coral Gables, Florida. Vodka. 40% alcohol by volume. Distilled from French wheat. And let's um let's talk about your um your coaching career. Like I I, I know you moved on from playing and now it was time for you to start coaching. Um you coached in the D-League with the Mavericks, correct? Yes. How was that experience? It, it was great. Um I give a lot of glory to Donnie Nelson, the president um, of the the Dallas Mavericks, because in 2010, he bought their uh, D league team, which is now the G league, uh, the legends. And it it was a chance encounter. You know, God doesn't make mistakes. Things happen on time. I'm putting a mail in a blue box at like seven in the morning, he's walking out of Starbucks in Plano off the tollway in Parker with Rolanda Blackman. So I see Donnie, we say hi and Roe, you know, he's a Brooklyn guy. Yes. And I said, Hey, congrats on the team. You know, are, is Roe going to be the coach? And he just started talking and he goes, sis, your number's still the same. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Donnie went home and sat with his daughter and said, has head coaching experience, has made the playoffs, has played in men's minor leagues. And he started going through a checklist of things that he would want in a coach. And he came out and he called me. We had like four or five meetings at like Starbucks. And he says, you know, maybe the best coach for my team is not a man at all. Maybe it's you. And I went, Oh no, Donnie, you're, you're going to get your, your behind kicked by the media, by people. He goes, Nancy, you've been doing this your whole life. And the most important box is you're not afraid. Yeah. I said, Oh no, I'm not afraid. And so he hired me. And I remember asking him, what's the most important thing? Do you want to make money? Do you want to have a community involvement? What do we, what do you want the players to learn from that? Do you want us to win? Do you want to be in, in the black? 
Mm-hmm. Just, he goes, yes. <laughs> I said, you want everything? He goes, yes. I said, okay. And we ended up uh, making the playoffs. We were an expansion team. The last day of the season, game 50, we we're playing uh, against the uh, Coros, the Austin, the Spurs. Yeah. That morning, Popovich sent down Danny Green and um, who he sent down uh, one more player, uh, Corey Joseph, Danny Green and Corey Joseph. We, we won in two overtimes and we were down nine points with 11 seconds to go at the end of regulation. Wow. Nine points with six seconds to go. And we hit a shot. It might've been Rashad McCants hit a shot from the corner and we tied it. It was an f- unbelievable game. It doesn't yeah. matter what level it is. Yeah, no matter. Not yet to have that dramatic comeback in that amount of time. Yeah. No, and, and so we, we go to double overtime. We tie it up. You know, uh, Justin Jetman hits a shot. Ant- Antonio Daniels, who's on my team, Joe Alexander. And then we go on to the, the, the second uh, overtime, third overtime, excuse me. And uh, we ended up winning the game. Yeah. Donnie Nelson is an amazing person to work for. And I, I honestly believe that he planted the seed in Popovich and all these other people's head because he didn't go one toe in with me. He went two feet in. Yeah, and, in. and I remember the night before my press conference, he texted me late in the night and he said, somebody at the G League does not want, they're telling us we can't hire you. And he says, Sis, this is what Martin Luther King marched and died for. Equality, opportunity, inclusion. He goes, I will be there with you at the press conference. And if they don't like it, I'll revoke my franchise. Oh, wow. I'll give it back. People don't know that about Donnie. And, and he, there's so many of us now who have been in the NBA or, or now the, D, the G League, um, coaching in the big three, but I believe Donnie Nelson deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, no, he does for believing in you and for stepping out on the limb and taking that, that chance when like you, like he said, nobody else wanted that. And to have someone believe in you and believe in the things that you've done can only, I I can only imagine how they made you feel. You know, I can hear it in your voice now and I'm saying how it still means something that, that he took that chance because he didn't have to. Absolutely. He really didn't have to. He could have listened to the masses and could have listened to all other people and been like, well, well, maybe this is the wrong decision. Like, no, nah, he stuck with it. He believed in it from the beginning when he sat down at home with his daughter and they came up with a plan and they stuck with it. And hey, you got to respect that. You got to respect people that that's that in hand for you to be that person to open the door for women coaching in men's sports. You know, that's that's huge. And it goes to when Popovich hired Becky Hammond and it's been an ongoing trend since. I think there's door. Yeah, that's 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 huge. It's you know, George Carl hired me the next year with uh, Vlade. Um, and, And as you know, in life, you know, and I say this to people will say, oh, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't see color. I don't see that. I'm like, if you don't see color, go get LASIK, okay? Because yeah. I see color every day. 
but don't say the politically correct correct thing. Do you hire people? Like I had a neighbor here in, in where I live in Dallas. They had a Black Lives Matter in their little window when everything was happening. Yeah. And I walked, you know, and, and maybe this is just me, but I, I walked up one day and I said, oh, Black Lives Matter. That's really great. Um, are you putting it there so people think, you know, you're good human beings or do you really care about black lives? Yeah. I said, I don't actually have to put one of those in my window. I live every day for equality and for, you know, I have such a deep and long relationship with the black community. And I said, you know what? why don't you do this? Why don't you take your sign down and why don't you just hire somebody that doesn't look like you? And that I walked away with volumes than the sign. Yeah. That speaks more volumes than the sign. Yeah. Yeah, hire somebody and hire a woman, a, a, a woman of color who's on the lowest pay scale. Black women make between 58 and 68 cents on the dollar. Yeah. That's bullshit. I'm sorry. I don't no, you can say it's bullshit. No, this free speech on here. Hey, it's, it's called unfiltered for a reason. I, but that's how I really, really feel. And if somebody, you give somebody a job, whether they're black or Latino or Hispanic or whatever, and they, they can't do the job or they don't do it well, you do have the right to cut me. You do have the really? right to let me go. But give people a chance. Diversity and inclusion, it's a word everybody's throwing around. For me, diversity means you're inviting me to the party. Yeah. Inclusion means you've asked me to dance. And I really, I'm on your show because you asked me to dance. Yeah. And, and I appreciate we, that. No, and I appreciate you being here. Yeah, and it's not just like women coaching sports now. You have women refing NBA, women refing NFL. I'm not sure if there's women umpires yet. I'm not like 100% sure, but that's because you opened that door and people believed in you and to other commissioners and other people around like, well, maybe like they do know this sport or maybe they can do this job and not just looking at y'all as housewives or, or secretaries or I'm saying things like that. Now that's, that's like, I'm all for it. Like I'm, I'm really all for it. You know, um, yeah, no, nah, it's just opportunities that that you help people realize, and and I'm I'm in awe of that. You know, I'm in awe of those things. You know, opening doors for other people like that. that. But but, but Kenyon, you know, I have a motto: lift when you rise. When you get elevated to the next level, take somebody with you. It's so important. That's the only way it, it's going to happen. And 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 I was lucky. You know, I told you I was that poor kid, no food, no, no no heat, no electricity. We were one grandparent away from food stamps in New York. But I fell in love with Muhammad Ali. I mean, when he said he was the greatest of all times, I, it, I would just melt. I was 10 years old. Yeah. And then by seriously, by the grace of God, we win the championship at Old Dominion. And December of 79, I'm asked to go to the New York Stock Exchange for a fundraiser for the Olympic committee. Yeah. So I'm going, you know, I'm feeling good about myself. I'm, I'm still full of crap, but I'm feeling good about myself. <laughs> I'm hiding behind being instantly I'm the basketball player and we're going up the escalator and I have my mom and my best friend, Barbara from high school. And I said to the guy, so who's the other athlete with me? And he goes, yeah, we're going in the green room now. I said, who's here? And the guy goes, Nancy, it, it's, it's, it's you and Muhammad Ali. 
I almost fell off the escalator. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't believe that behind that door was Muhammad Ali. And the door opened and it was like that Oprah moment. Oh, glowing. <laughs> my, my, my heart was banging and my mother runs over to Mr. To, to Muhammad. And, and I still have the picture. I'll show you one day of her putting her arm around his neck going, Mr. Muhammad. Hi, I'm Rini Lieberman from Queens. And my daughter is the greatest of all times. <laughs> and he goes, lady, there's only one greatest of all times. me. <laughs> No, Mr. Muhammad, I know you're good, but my daughter is greatest. Yeah. So he kind of calls me over. I'm telling you, truthfully, I couldn't breathe. I was so nervous. And he looks at me and he says, your mom says you're good. And I go, no, Mr. Muhammad, I'm not really good. And I go, I'm the greatest of all times. <laughs> and he goes, there's two of us. <laughs> okay. That night, we go back to the Plaza Hotel. He asked if we'd come back to the hotel with him. I spent two hours of him teaching me about racism, yeah. about uh, racial injustice, about red line districts. I didn't even know what a red line district was. Yeah. About opportunity, diversity. And I was like, what? I mean, it was so over my head what he was saying. But he would tell me, he goes, you know, you have to look at how the black community feels. The white, the day is light and white and it's safe. But at night, it's dark and black and it's scary. And, 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 and you know, the, he, I'm going to say this because he said it to me. He goes, you know, in the, the cowboy movies, like the hero is with the white hat. Yeah. And the, the bad guy has the black hat. He goes, You've never probably thought about that, but that's filtered into how we feel about ourselves sometimes, that we're lesser. And he, he, he looked at me. I mean, I was, I was 19, 20 years old. And he goes, Nancy, God made you special. And you're going to have a lot on your plate because you're going to have to carry a lot. And I, I, I was spinning because I didn't really know what he was saying to me. You didn't understand that at the time. He said you was 22. Yeah, me. No, I was 19, 20. Oh, wow. But he um, he did say to me that there'll never be a day that he won't be in my life. To the day we buried him four, four years ago, June, you know, fast forward. Here I am now, you know, in my career coaching in the NBA. Sec second um, phone call I made in 2015 when, when Velade called me to hire yeah. me. I called the Ali's and I said, where's Muhammad? Lonnie, where's Muhammad? She goes, honey, what's wrong? He's here. I said, put him on speaker, please. I said, I just got hired to coach in the NBA with the Sacramento Kings. And she goes, oh, he's acting like he can shoot. And I go, <laughs> he can't shoot. <laughs> <laughs> and they came to my first game um, four months later when we played uh, the sons, mm -hmm. and he was sitting in a suite right behind our bench. And Demarcus looks at Rondo and goes, why is, why is the champ here? And Rondo goes, oh, that's coach's friend. Yeah. That's so, you know, and, and here I'm at his house and I'm feeding him food and he's got a little bib on, you know, because he has Parkinson's. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, how would you know what happened in 79 and how things would be different in you know 2000 
you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, I'm sitting with him, holding him, hugging him, and just actually just telling him how much he, he means to me because he changed my life. Yeah, that's, that's deep. Like that's, that's, that's one of those relationships that of course sticks with you. But to have that conversation at such a young age with such a insightful person and all the things that he had been through um, for these causes um, and for him to tell you that you special and that you're here for a reason and, and you guys share a lot of the same qualities. You know, you put other people first. You you look at the bigger picture. You don't see race. You see people. You yes. know, so that's that's huge that he saw that in you, and for him to take the time out to sit you down and and to build that rapport and that friendship with you that lasted literally a lifetime. Yeah, that's 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 awesome, man. Like you, you've done some things, Nancy, and been in some people's lives and met people and open so many doors like how does that uh, like how does it make you feel like for to be the 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 to be the bar basically you know of what people will try to um, accomplish in in a lifetime you know how does that make you feel uh you know for a long time i was still you know there's the hunter and then there's the hunted yeah and I never like when people and, and uh, forgive me for this, when people like when I was in my 20s said I was, you know, the best player in the world, which is crazy. Right. And I never wanted to have that filter because I wanted to still be hunting somebody. Yeah. I never wanted to be at the top of the mountain, you know, banging on my chest. I, I never let myself think like that. Like I, I know I know I'm a pioneer. I understand um, that comes with sometimes age and, you know, having a, a more longevity than people, yeah. but I'm not jealous of my amour. I'm not jealous of Tamika Catchings. I'm not jealous of Bird or Tarasi. I'm a fan. I want them to have everything. I want to see the first million dollar woman in the WNBA. Of course, my, my, one and only year I got 40 grand. Yeah. <laughs> but I, somebody has to set the plate. Yeah. And we have such great gatekeepers of the game. Quite frankly, in men and women's basketball, I mean, look at Chris Paul, look at LeBron, you know, look at Kawhi, look at uh, Luca. I mean, the game is just in such great hands. We've got the best commissioner in sports. Um, the relationship that he and Michelle Roberts have with the, the Players Association is so uniquely powerful. They respect each other. They protect who they're supposed to protect. But in the name of the game and growth and generational wealth, yeah. they've worked so magnificently together. And, you know, I mean, David Stern and Billy Hunter didn't have that type of relationship as you well know. Yeah. For different reasons, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it, you know, basketball is important. It's it's very important around the world, <clears throat> and with social justice right now, in yeah. form, we got a lot of work ahead of us. Yeah, it's still a lot of work to be done, but it's it's good that we got people on our side that believe in it and that's doing the right thing. And I think the NBA is 
took a major step forward in in the sports world, but in the world of just moving forward. Bless you. Thank you. Bless you. Yeah, but just moving forward with you. Uh, yeah, so now that's it's huge for us to be a part of this family. Um, the NBA family and the basketball community is great. Um, it is. Talk, yeah, this, um, yeah, so you've, of course, you've been, like I said, around the black community and and um, doing a lot of different things that people have known, known for you, known you to do. Um, your charities that you have, have done throughout inner city communities and, things like that and you in particular not you in my neighborhood where I grew up and we this is a sensitive topic for me um because Dre was like my little brother we all know that and and for you to donate a quarter be a part of that with um Regina um that that melts me you know for you to go back to somewhere where I'm from and and to give back to someone who I had a great relationship with. Um, I want to thank you personally for that. You know, because growing up, like I tell people all the time, didn't nobody come back and do stuff until I was a certain age. Like didn't I didn't see a white person do anything around us. And for you to do that in Dre's name and, and honor, like means a lot to me and other people that that's where I'm from that I talk to a lot. So we want to thank you for that. Like, that means thank, a lot. Thank you for saying that. Um, I think we have we share one heart when it comes to Andre Emmett. Yeah. And you know we miss him dearly. I, I had two years with him. Um, we, I, when I used to work at ESPN, they used to call me First Flight because I'd mm. be on the if, if it was four in the morning, five in the morning, yeah. just get me on that plane and get me to where I'm going. So mm. I would take the first flight, and I did that in the big three, and. Andre would tap me on my shoulder and I looked at him one day. And I said, what are you doing up at this hour? He goes, Oh, I always take the first flight. And I was like, you do. And you know, it's easy for me to say, Oh, you're probably out hanging with friends or a yeah. young guy, but he was always on the first flight. We, you know how it, we fly first class and Andre and I would always ask people if they would um, change seats with us. Yeah. And so we could sit together we talked, so everything was on the table, life, love, politics, tattoos, drugs, inner city, white, black, philosophy of life. We would sit there and talk about the deepest stuff that sometimes people won't even talk about because they're just afraid, you know, somebody yeah. might, you know, you might hurt somebody's feelings. And I'd be like, wow, I never thought about that. That like, I'm really open-minded. Tell me more about, you know, even tattoos, like, you know, with your tattoos, yeah. I have no tattoos. Yeah. Maybe because I'm afraid to get a flu shot because I don't <laughs> like that pain. Yeah. But I was like, I would sit there and I'd like, all right, pull your shirt, open up your shirt. He's like, coach. I said, do it. I say. <laughs> yeah. And what is that tattoo for? What does it mean? Why did you get it? Tell me about the ones on your, 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 you know, your fingers. And the one thing that I'm just so upset with Andre is that we never got to his left hand. He told me about every tattoo, his little children, his baby mamas. Andre Emmett was one of the most amazing young people that I've ever met. And our bond, when we'd land in a city and they would send the car for us, 
Andrea would be like, no, we only need one car because we just wanted one more ride together and to talk. He was so deep. He was such a fascinating father, a great friend, uh, you know, hell of basketball player. But I was just, we talked about Bobby Knight and I'd call Bob and say, hey, I'm with, uh, you know, Andre. He goes, oh, that guy is one of the best players I've ever coached. Yeah. Uh, It it touched everybody's life. And so on that Friday, remember we were getting ready to go to China, you know, back in November and uh, a year ago. And I had had stem cell shot in my knee. And uh, Andre called me, he goes, coach, can you take me to the person who did your knee? I said, yeah. Uh, And then he called me Saturday and he, and you guys are like the biggest babies, by the way. I love that about you. And he says, coach, will you take me to the doctor with you? I said, do you want me to hold your hand too? Yeah. He goes, will you? (laughs) I was on the treadmill working out when I don't know if it was Thomas or somebody, Justin from the league said it was eight in the morning. I was taking him at 11 to the doctor. Yeah. And Justin called me and he goes, Nancy, Andre Emmett died. And I went, I was like, no, he didn't. I just talked to him Saturday. That's how screwed up I was. Yeah. And he goes, Nancy, can you just stop what you're doing? And I, I got off the treadmill and I go, what are you talking about? He goes, Andre was murdered. I, I couldn't stop bawling. I, I couldn't stop bawling. Um, it's yeah. what a loss of a, a human being. Yeah, for for nothing. For nothing. Um, yeah, for nothing, man. It's and same thing when I got the call. Of course, I got the call in the middle of the night. Uh, I got like first thing, first thing. Like it was, yeah, it was it was unsettling, um, and. And for it to happen where you grow up and and people are supposed to they're supposed to care about you. You know, you made it out. You know what I'm saying you're successful, you did it the right way, you're a loving father, you you're not out here doing what you could be doing. You're living your best life, you're having a great time, you're taking care of your responsibilities and and for jealousy and hate to come into that is is fucked up. Um and and them to take my friend my little brother um for nothing you know um but his legacy and his lives on thankful thanks to you the court um what he was made for and regina does a great job at always putting dre out there and not letting people forget and whatever we can do and whatever i can do for dreams really exist you know what I'm saying? I told I'm there for, you know, to keep Dre's memory and legacy alive. And you are definitely a part of that. Well, th- thank you again for saying that. Um, and I'm really excited. Um, we opened a second Andre Emmett Court at Texas Tech um, about a month ago. Yeah. And with uh, Coach Chris Beard. And, you know, they're very kind, humble people who have a lot of gratitude and respect for, for Andre. So I was there with Regina and, uh, you know, Karen and the family. Um, But the thing for me that I'll always be left with is, you know, like you, you you were parents and he loved Kennedy and Zara so much. He loved. That's why he was on the first flight. 
Like that's why when he was going home, that's why he was on the first flight. Always. Just um it, it was an honor uh, actually to do that. A no-brainer. And and we talked about it. You know, Andre had come to Dream Ball, which I hope one day you'll come to my Dream Ball. Of course. Uh in Dallas. And uh Andre was like, you know, coach, I, I want to do something like this. This is what I want. I was like, we started small. You know, we've been blessed. We started small, but you can do it. And we talked about dream courts and he goes, I want dream courts. I want, that's why we did it. Yeah. Because it's what Andre wanted. Yeah, and he had this little thing over in Oak Cliff at Glendale Park. You know what I'm saying? This little outing, back to school outing. You know, we're going to try to keep that going and things like that. But yeah, man, it's a tragedy in itself, but he was a great person. He, he will not be forgotten. And on that note, Miss Nancy Lieberman, I would like to thank you for joining me Unfiltered. It's been a pleasure having you on. I've learned a lot about you that I didn't know, a lot of things that I did know. Um, you inspired me to be better as a person. Um, and I would like to thank you for coming on. And, and this shall too continue our friendship that is. That would mean a lot to me for us to grow it. Uh, I think I have your cell, so just maybe text me it uh, later, but I, I think I have it. Yeah. But be well, uh, God bless you and your family. Thank I'm you so much. happy uh, for, for Junior, and I can't wait uh, to see him play and, and talk about him when I'm doing TV. Yes, ma'am, take care. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Bye.